0: Hello everyone, I'm Donna Fiducia. And I'm Don Newen, and this is Cowboy Logic Radio.
1: Welcome to Cowboy Logic Radio, everyone. I'm Donna Fiducia, along with Don Newen. Who's behaving? Well, you we haven't had a chance to misbehave. We just started the show five seconds ago.
0: Normally, though, I start misbehaving almost as I count down three, two, one to you. This is
1: true, you. because you say what? I'm
0: <laughs> Don Newen, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope all of you will go to Facebook. Last week, I demoed and discussed the Taurus. Judge, in which I took down a tree that had a diameter of 24 inches with one shot from the judge. Back to you, Donna.
1: Well, sort of. Just go look at the video on Facebook and you'll see what a BS artist he really is. You know, normally we do headlines, but really the only thing that is a headline right now is COVID-19 and the fact that we're tanking the economy for something that doesn't really exist. So what we're going to do, as usual, is bring in our... Resident expert. This is true. The resident cowboy logic expert on everything disease and infectious diseases and, and... whatever, pandemics. And that would be one Dr. X-Ray. At first, he was Dr. X. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, so that you understand the name, it's Dr. X, last name Ray.
1: Oh, okay. Well, the the bottom line is, we're changing the name to protect the innocent. To keep him innocent. Yes, because quite frankly, with what's going on in the political scene, as far as even with medical stuff, it's ridiculous to have to hide who you are but basically that's the case so dr x-ray welcome back to cowboy logic radio let me uh tell everybody that you are a, a um a retired air me as we were saying before we went on the r on the air because on the r, on the r. <laughs> <laughs> because you're in the air force and the army so you're in an air me, and a former chief of, uh, at a major teaching hospital. You're working some 30 some odd years in the medical field. Dr. X Ray, welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you. The first question is the big one for Don. How's your mask situation doing?
0: It's uh, Listen, ever since, I, I believe it was either last week or two weeks ago when I smelled like a summer's eve, um, I, I had been wearing a feminine product as a mask, a maxi pad, um,
1: but it sticks, the little yeah, wings I, can stick to the
0: side of your I face. I get a rash, and it, and it pulls on my beard a little bit, so <laughs> I stopped using that. I am mask-free now, mask-free. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, Dr. X, Ray, whether I made the right decision, because according to Joe Biden. COVID has now cost us 120 million people.
1: Yes, 120 million people have died, and did which like... I
0: have noticed because our listening audience has been cut by one third.
1: And didn't 150 million people die yeah. from gun violence yeah. too? So we don't have too many millions yeah, left did. in the world. So uh, in the country, rather, no, we
2: don't. I guess that's I guess that's why I can get into almost any restaurant without <laughs> <That's> big crowds. <crapples.
0: laughs> exactly, it's because all of those dog faced silly ponies or whatever they are, pony dog-face soldiers pony
1: soldiers, yeah, whatever <laughs> that, that is, might all... wear masks. Yeah. You know what you can do, though, Dr. X-Ray, is you can actually go into a bank right now with a mask on and demand money.
0: And I go into the one on Chattahoochee Avenue in Atlanta wearing a gun. So I'm actually going into a bank wearing a gun. If I wore a mask, I could wear a mask. This... And demand money. This is absolutely silly, ladies yeah, and really. gentlemen. It is silly. But all right, let's, listen, let's, let's get down, get down to, down to business. Exactly. Dr. Ray, um, we are going to be quiet, and we are going to let you educate the masses. Well, Back to you. Well, Donna wants to interrupt. I wanted
1: to start, first of all, by okay. updating everybody, because the big thing is... It's the second wave. The second wave is coming. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We've got Texas shutting down and Florida now shutting down on a moment's notice because cases are spiking. Even though the death rate now is staying at a minimal in both of those states and here in Georgia as well, it's, they make, the media makes it sound like the death rate is 100% and it's quite the opposite.
2: And that's what I try to do when we have our discussions. I don't watch TV, so I don't get all of this, but I hear about it all from people. And I know that they really hype the numbers and they really hype the number of deaths. And we talked about this week. Yes, the number of cases are going up. They're testing more people. It's spreading more. People are closer together. They're getting out. And there are some real patterns to the spikes that we've had. But as you said, the death rate is going down and it's it's dropping down pretty significantly. Uh, Stanford epidemiology, a few days ago, said now the IFR, the infection fatality rate, is 0.04% for people under 70, so that's less than half the flu. Penn State epidemiology said they took a look at the numbers, they came up with an infection fatality rate of 0.02%, and these are both for patients under 70. So. so- more young people are getting infected, the death rate is going to continue to go down. Uh, one state upped, we talked about the transmission rate, and I gave everybody that website where they could look up the transmission rate for their state. One state upped their transmission rate one one-hundredths of a percent last week, everybody else dropped it, so it's continuing to slowly drop, even though we're getting more infections. It's still less serious. It's still a serious infection, but it's less serious than it was three months ago.
0: Let me ask you this, Dr. Ray. The the spike in the number of cases in those that are infected... How about let's just kind of cut to the uh, to the reality here that for the past month, we have had mass gatherings all over the country, predominantly in some of the urban and bigger cities with the BLM protests, riots and looting that has taken place. Can't we attribute this funeral? Uh, yeah. And oh, yeah. the you multiple funerals. But here's the, the bottom city, line. We have got thousands on. and thousands of people that are spending hours and hours and hours every day into the night that are gathering. How about we we just talk fact and say that there's a high probability that this increase in spike, uh, this increase in the number of cases and the spikes in these cases is due to the protests
2: well, if you, if you look, the city with the greatest increase of infections was Houston, and that's the one that had the largest funeral about two weeks ago. I don't know the exact date because, like I said, I don't watch TV. And then the uh, county health director for LA County came out and said, I think that this is all due to the protests. They had a lot of protests in LA that weren't violent. And if you look at pictures, fewer people in, in the, more violent the protest is, the more people are wearing masks. Just like, you know, people who used to go into banks with guns and, and masks and things like that. But less violent protests, people aren't wearing the masks. And no. if you look where the if you look where the larger less violent protests were, and Houston is the best example. They had you know, two weeks ago they had the large funeral, hundreds of thousands of people there, and now they're having a huge spike in the COVID cases and a huge number of hospitalizations.
1: My cousin is a doctor in Houston, and he said they have, I think, 80 or 90 percent full you know, capacity, pretty much, in emergency rooms on a regular basis.
0: It sounds like your cousin, the doctor in Houston, has a handle
2: <laughs> on things. <laughs>
1: She's a hand surgeon. All right, but <laughs> the point, uh, okay. the point that, is...
2: That's an emergency room. That's an emergency room. Is that and what you
1: find also, yeah. in, where you
2: work? Yeah, there are a lot of people in the emergency rooms. A lot of people are afraid to come to the emergency rooms. Um, again, you go back and look at the numbers, and and the numbers really tell the story. And the, the numbers, I think, are coming out. They seem to be reasonable. Right now, we have 200, and let's just say 238,000 people with COVID in hospitals. And you'll remember last week we talked about the U.S. has 917,000 hospital beds. And the, the hospitals... You know, their business model is based just like a hotel on 77% or greater occupancy. So COVID patients are occupying 26% of the hospital beds across the country. I know it's a little higher in some areas and a little lower in some areas. There was data that came out on Thursday that showed that, for example, across Colorado, 13% of the beds, ICU beds, were occupied by COVID patients. In Texas, 7% of the ICU beds were occupied by COVID patients. So even though the the hospitals had been opening back up and they've been doing their things, you know, people are still having strokes and heart attacks. In fact, those are increasing because of lockdown, as we talked about a couple of sessions ago. So those beds are filled, but but the beds are not necessarily filled with COVID patients. COVID ICU patients represent nationwide about 10% of the beds, And nationwide, about 26% of the non-ICU beds.
1: Can you reinform everybody about Dr. Fauci, his connection to Gilead Pharmaceuticals, and to me how he kind of just, I I think, um, who was it that said it best, Bob Dylan? Fauci's kind of like the weatherman. You know, you don't take the weatherman to know which way the wind blows. He just blows whichever way the political winds blow. Because, I mean, early on, he basically said you don't have to lock down. And then a week later, Trump closed traveling from China. And then I think it was first week in in February or March, was it, that Fauci finally said, well, maybe we should start to close things down. I mean, the guy just says whatever the political wind happens to say, and obviously he's making a ton of money off of it.
2: Well, he is because of the research money that's going into his organization and and he's able to give out to people who are doing various types of research uh he's actually his latest interview and i have some quotes from it from it he's actually coming back toward the middle on this he's coming back to sounding more like we sound like he said warm weather may still have a positive impact but it's getting drowned out by other things that are making it go up another he didn't want to say the protest because he didn't want to talk about it but it would be going down if we hadn't had all these protests and that's what he and several other county health officials are saying and then he said the CDC has given billions of dollars to states for testing and tracing, but they, the states have decided internally how they're going to spend
1: that money. Yeah, well, the CDC... And then at the end
2: of one of the interviews... he.
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. At the
2: end of one of those, inter- at the end of one of those interviews, he said, right now a third of Americans won't take a vaccine if a vaccine is available. Uh, and another good article came out about that this week.
1: Is, is it possible to have a vaccine for a virus? I mean, they really don't have one for the flu. Well, it kind of could lessen it, correct?
2: Yeah, we talked and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Reasons why there won't be a vaccine, and another very good article came out. Of all places, it was on Seeking Alpha, but it was very scientifically written, and it was written by, you know, a group that advises people who are investing in this sector. And they said that Gilead was a good, good place because Remdesivir, even though it's not, you know, 100% effective, it still shows enough effectiveness that they're going to keep using it. But they said, don't put any money in any of these companies that are developing the vaccine. And interestingly, they said the major reasons were exactly the same things that we talked about. I'm going to, uh, give you one of the things, because we talked about the uh, parabolic immune enhancement and how that can kill patients. And one of their bullet points is, quote, age-associated hyperinflammatory innate and maladaptive immune responses complicate the utility and efficacy of the vaccines and antibody-based treatments. In other words, people have hyperimmune responses to this and they, and they don't do well. And that's what we talked about. And another of the reasons they listed for not having a vaccine was the multiple mutations and then the Another of the five, we, I listed three, but the the third, three of, the, third of the five they listed is the same one I listed, and that is not everybody gets a good immune response. You can only account on that in about half the patients. So they came out for with investor guidance saying don't chase the vaccine companies, chase the treatment companies like Gilead and these other things. But it was a very scientifically written article. It was very well referenced to very good peer review literature that said the same things we said a couple of weeks ago.
1: Would you have told Trump to take hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic? Would you have advised him to that?
2: I think so. Um, The HCQ studies that come out, they still didn't use zinc, and they were still using very high doses. And the doses, we talked about the uh, police department of India, the military of India. They're giving them just one pill a day like they do for malaria. And again, in the U.S., the, the patients who have lupus and these other immune diseases um, are just taking usually one to two tablets a day, not not a higher dose like they were giving in these, uh, I'm sorry, my phone was going off, like they were giving in these studies. Plus, they didn't give zinc in these studies. And the, the way that HGQ works is by facilitating zinc getting into the cell, which destroys the metabolic pathway within the or within the virus and destroys the metabolic pathway in the virus.
0: Doctor, let me ask you this. Um, For our beloved listeners, and Donna and I, for that matter, uh, is there anything that you would advise that is over-the-counter, and I'm kind of leaning toward the zinc concept here, uh, that we may be able to pick up at our grocery store or drugstore that would help better the chances of boosting our immune system that could fight this off if we do come in contact with it?
2: There's a lot of evidence to show that uh, taking a little extra vitamin D and getting a little extra sun and taking zinc uh, significantly reduces the severity of the infection. There's a drug called quinine which was the first of the quinol, which was the first of the drugs where HCQ and these other chloroquine and things came from, and you can get that over the counter, and people take it for leg cramps, and you can take one or two of those a day. That's what uh, Cuomo's brother took when he got infected because he went to a non-physician and she gave him the quinine, which was over the counter, and he said that that probably saved his life. And you take that with the zinc, and so the combination of those things really reduces your risk of having a serious infection. I think.
0: OK. And just full disclosure, to make sure that we have all the disclaimers, none of what you are suggesting would uh, create a, an erection that would last more than four hours, right?
1: Six hours. No, it wouldn't. It
3: wouldn't.
1: <laughs> you know, here's the and thing, it though.
3: it like summer's eve. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My question is, at this point. I mean, now we're going to start looking at seasonal flu coming around another couple of months. I mean, I, I really have never been a conspiracy theorist, but I'm beginning to feel that way. Because, obviously, we, we're in an election year, and I, I, I hate to get political here, Dr. X-Ray, but you have, um, you've kind of brought out a number of things, and to me, a lot of it's political, there's these uh, draining the swamp, which Trump is trying to do. Seems like instead, the swamp is draining the U.S. Treasury, and this is information that I think people need to to know about. Can you comment on that?
2: Well, I was uh, you're referencing a video that I sent you by. Oh, should I say the name or uh, a video that I sent you it was an interview by the same group of people who dis- that discovered all the missing money from the Pentagon and these other sources. And they're saying that she is saying that the, uh, the Fed at the Jackson Hole meeting came up with a, what's called a direct action plan, and they were pre funding companies to buy up assets on the cheap when um, the companies went bankrupt. And they started this six months ago. And I had sent you articles from various sources showing that the Fed had dumped almost $6 trillion in the bank starting in August of last year.
0: Well, feel free to bring this woman's name up. Our listeners, uh, you know, we're going to give you information, ladies and gentlemen, and and you research it and make your own decisions.
2: Yeah, it's Catherine Austin Fitz, and she had just done another interview on a, on a new show that she is frequently on, and her and Dr. Mark Skidmore had discovered the missing... Uh, $21 trillion from the Pentagon and other governance, government sources through Freedom of Information Access. And you have checked that, I know, and we won't mention the sources you've checked that with, but they have—they are high-level politicians and they have concurred that that information is correct. So it's not really in the realm of conspiracy theory.
1: So essentially it's a, a scheme to tank the economy so these few selected uh, you know companies can come in and get them at at a, a, you know fire sale price and yeah. i guess and, the... and there's a second
2: but i'm mm-hmm. sorry there's a second big political component going on and and a uh, investigative reporter named sundance at conservative treehouse has an article out he's saying all of the things that that can be done with this election that couldn't have been done before For example, the mail-in balloting they're trying to get, and we've discussed what a disaster that's going to be. They're shutting down uh, Trump's campaign rallies. Uh, They're keeping Biden in the basement, which, by the way, is going to backfire on them, and they don't understand it because you know they're the party of science and we're not, so Mm -hmm. they won't understand why that's not a good plan.
1: Everything Uh, seems to fit. Isn't that okay? Go ahead. But the other thing, yeah,
2: the other thing that that they're saying is. They're going to try to use this to force the debates being, you know, on t- not on TV or not public, but done video conferencing from Joe's basement and the White House, which will give them the opportunity to play a lot of shenanigans with CGI and overlays and maybe even a different person playing Biden, the role of Biden, because when they tried to use a different play, person to play the role in Clinton after she went down outside her van, that person was sniffed out within seconds when she came downstairs from mm-hmm. Chelsea's apartment. They, they knew she was a fake instantly. So the only way they can do this is, the only way they can have a fake Biden and keep the desates, debates from being a disaster for them is to have them on video conferencing and be able to computer overlay and do things with the video conference. And we've all seen things where they've taken famous people and had them saying things that were completely absurd that that person wouldn't say, but you would swear when you were watching it on TV, that that's exactly what they said or when you're watching the video of it.
1: So this whole thing, and I really do feel it is a pandemic, as that video says, why do you think at this point Trump isn't, taking a bigger stand? Do you think he's kind of waiting for the right time?
2: I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think he knows what's going on. I think he has been not overwhelmed by the presidency, but overwhelmed by what everyone has done to him since the day of the election. And he has been backed in a corner or on his heels or however you want to say it since the day after the election. They wouldn't even let him go through the transition process. Before they started Russia, 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 and, and I think they just—they have so many people around him that are compromised, and, and we've talked about that. Uh, I said that the first day he went in, he should just fired everybody and hired all new people. But uh, I think that they just have him overwhelmed, and they—they they can't. He can't come out and sound too conspiracy theory, or it could cost him the election alone.
0: Well, and we also have to remember something very important, and and this is putting a great deal of faith in Donald Trump. In politics, timing is everything. Yeah. And what we hope that he doesn't do is blow that timing.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, Dr. X-Ray, we're going to put on our website some of this other information that you sent along because it's eye-opening, the fact that this whole thing could have been planned from late last year so that you know the one world order folks basically the swamp can come in and get basically any business in this country at a fire sale price under the guise of trying to keep us safe so we can't get a uh, a disease that basically is like seasonal flu and it's very scary and again your information is always cutting edge i know we were a little repetitious on some of the stuff but i think it, it, it kind needs of to be that way to be exactly to be reiterated not as much as sean hannity does but but to some extent the way we need to dr x-ray again thank you so much for joining us here on cowboy logic radio well
2: thank you for having me
1: again and coming up, we'll be talking with author Alex McFarlane and Dr. Peter Vincent Pry on the threat of an electromagnetic pulse. They're both coming up next on Cowboy Logic Radio.
4: You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. If you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. December 16th, 1773. And now, what really happened at the Boston Tea Party.
3: (laughs) What are they doing? They're throwing all the king's tea and coffee into the harbor to protest taxation without representation. Do you think we should stop them? I really like my coffee.
5: Come on, it's not American Pride Roasters.
3: Yeah, that would be a trebuchet mockery. American Pride Roasters, the choice coffee of real American patriots for over 250 years. That's right. Get yours today at AmericanPrideRoasters.com.
4: December 16th, 1773. And now, what really happened at the Boston Tea Party. What are they doing?
3: They're throwing all the king's tea and coffee into the harbor to protest taxation without representation. Do you think we should stop them? I really like my car.
5: Come on, it's not American Pride Roasters.
3: Yeah, that would be a Shem mockery. American Pride Roasters, the choice coffee of real American patrons for over 250 years. That's right. Get yours today at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That's AmericanPrideRoasters.com.
5: And
4: cut. I I don't think APR has been around quite that long, guys.
5: Well, but what we do know for sure is that no APR coffee was thrown into the Boston Harbor in 1773.
3: Hmm, so therefore, using transitive properties, since they didn't throw any in the harbor, clearly they liked it best.
1: Welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. I'm Donna Fiducia, along with Don Nguyen. And our special guest for this next segment is making his debut here on Cowboy Logic Radio. I'm talking about author Alex McFarland. His book, Moral Decay, The Real Cultural Threat No One Talks About. Well, that's a pretty decent topic right there. But he's also a religion and cultural analyst. a An apologist. I'll have you uh, kind of explain that one, Alex. And uh, basically... He talks about the importance of, of culture in any kind of culture, for that matter. He's the former director of Apologetics and Christian Worldview at North Greenville University in North Carolina, a former pastor and also a seminary president. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on Cowboy Logic Radio. Oh, thank you. It's a great honor to be on. Okay, you're an Apollo. Oh,
0: well, All right, hold first. on. i got to interrupt here. Just the title of your book, Alex, uh, touches very close to home on something that I've been preaching about for a number of years on Cowboy Logic Radio, and that is the the moral and the cultural decay in the United States. It It, it is... Be- many fellow citizens have become completely unrecognizable to me as fellow Americans. They may be fellow citizens, but I don't see them any longer as being fellow Americans. They do not share the American values that I have, that I was raised with. They don't share or display the American ideals that are in our constitution that are in 200 plus years of our of our foundation and our formation. I I don't see a fellow American when I see some of our citizens. And it sounds like your book is going to seriously discuss that.
8: Yeah, well, again, let me say what an honor it is to be on. Just uh, in prepping for this interview and getting to know you all on the phone a little bit and, you know, conversing before we uh, do the show here, I, I already know that I... I just appreciate you all, and I agree with you all on so many things. Uh, just every major thing that's of importance to me as a citizen uh, resonates with what I'm hearing from from you all. And so thanks very much for having me on. Um, let me say this. In the Wall Street Journal about six or seven months ago was an article written by the former campaign manager for Robert F. Kennedy, uh, a, a gentleman that back in... 68 was RFK's campaign manager, and a lifelong Democrat, uh, not a conservative, not a Christian, but he wrote this article lamenting the fact, he said, I cannot be a Democrat anymore. He said, Robert F. Kennedy wouldn't be a Democrat today, JFK, even LBJ, and he, he basically was saying, you know, I, not only do I not recognize my party I don't even recognize my country anymore. And uh, how we got where we are, there's a lot we could say about that. But let's just, to begin with, lay out the, the point that, uh, huh, to paraphrase Dorothy, you know, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. Um, and I, I really I am concerned for the future of our country, the future of our Constitution, our liberties and freedoms. that They hang in the balance right now. They really, really do.
1: I often take a line from The Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, because that's really what happens. I mean, well, not with Donald Trump, but certainly with somebody like a Barack Obama. You know, he says one thing and all this other stuff is being done behind the scenes. And what really, in my opinion, Alex McFarlane is, that's the real big problem, is how... We have decades of a public education system that has done little to educate our kids, but to indoctrinate them and and basically teach them that the new religion is government.
8: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, government can be government can be a, a good servant, but government is a horrible master. And, you know, we, we really stand between two, two futures, like um, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, said last June in a speech. He said the next election, November of 2020, is not so much between two different candidates, it's between two different futures. And the, uh, I mean, the founders and many of the great citizens that have given their lives for this nation, uh, they would be horrified that we are actually even having this conversation about socialism. Because, you know, socialism has a 100% consistent record. It's failed everywhere it's been implemented. And and the, the victims, the those that suffer for the imposition of socialism, are, are human beings. And and I, I've got to say this, I'm just going to be straight with you, because, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of my adult life in academic and publishing and broadcasting, but I've also spent a lot of my life in church, and uh, I will say this as a citizen, as a Christian, and definitely as a theologian, the liberal Democrats will answer to God for what they've done to destroy this country, and whether it was uh, lust for power, whether it was narcissism and the desire for fame, and see what's name in the paper, and Feel important or something for whatever motive, and that God knows anyone's heart. Uh, but I will say this the, the two greatest nations in history uh, were Israel under King Solomon and America when she was at her best. And, you know, from the late 19th century to the uh, progressivism, I'm, I'm sad to say a distant cousin of mine was Woodrow Wilson. And Woodrow Wilson was really kind of a political progressive. But secular humanism began to, um, you know, be a force by the 1920s. And, you know, public education has been heinously complicit with uh, really destroying the, the minds of several generations. Uh, I'm I'm a product of public education, but fortunately for me it wasn't terminal. Uh, because when I was in college, I became a Christian. And, uh, you know, my heroes in my twenties were Jim Morrison and John Lennon. And I was a, a stupid teenager and I was ignorant and I, I believed in Darwinian evolution and I believed in moral relativism. And I, I believe that, you know, I, I had drunk from the toxic Kool-Aid of, of Jim Morrison and, uh, John Dewey. And I, I believed that government was the answer and pleasure was the goal. Uh, but, Jesus Christ came into my life and not only saved my soul, but began to reorder my mind. And I began to read not only, you know, great thinkers from the church, but I began to read, actually read the Federalist Papers, largely written by Alexander Hamilton, and uh, began to understand what a blessing it was to have been born in the greatest nation in the world. And all of that, to my point, whether, whether Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and AOC and Joe Biden, whether all of the, the threats to our Constitution uh, know what they're doing or maybe they're, you know, the useful idiots, uh, I, I honestly believe they're going to be accountable to God for what they've done to harm what was once the greatest nation in, in the world.
1: We sound very similar. I went to public school in Essex County, New Jersey. But back in the 60s and 70s, I'm dating myself, it was a decent public education. I mean, you know, we yeah. I had to read the autobiography of of Malcolm X, which I found very interesting, quite frankly. So, you could sure, see sure. you could see that it was starting back then. And by the way, I agree with John Lennon. <laughs> Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. He was an amazing uh poet, really. Sure. And 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 the yeah, same sure. with Jim Morrison. So, we we look at that kind of stuff, but socialism is, is romantic to young kids. Why do you think that is?
8: Well, you know, let me say a good thing about young people. They they definitely have many, many young people. 99.9% of young people have a good heart, and they care about others. They want to help others. You know, we actually, uh, 10 years ago, our, our youth ministry worked with Focus on the Family. We took 400 teens to Brazil. Um, I, I'm sorry, Lima, Peru, to uh, serve in the ghettos. And, and uh, it was great. Uh, we had 400 youth and 600 uh, people total because we had 200 adult chaperones. And for a couple of weeks, we were in um, a very, very uh, low end place called Miraflores and we were washing hair. Um, and uh, a major company donated a half million bottles of water and we were in the ghettos washing people's hair and literally trying to serve people. And I was so moved by hundreds of kids that took their summer to spend it in the squalor of Lima, Peru and help people. Now that being said, young people are, are, I don't know, um, enamored a bit with socialism because they think, well, it will help people. I mean, who doesn't want people to have food and a roof over their head? Of course we do. We want everybody to have uh, the the needs, but socialism, you know, Margaret Thatcher said it so well uh, back in the eighties. She said, uh, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, fu- the funny thing when I've spoken at universities like, uh, Yale university in New Haven, Connecticut, and, uh, houghton college in upstate new york and unc chapel hill and usc san Diego, and places i've gone to speak uh it's funny the people advocating for socialism uh are people that just have a flawed view of how wealth is created and they definitely have a flawed or less than complete view of human nature you know um Back to the Federalist, often called the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton famously said, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the people that believe socialism is this panacea, uh, they, they don't realize the, the, the propensity of humans for selfishness and dishonesty and greed. Um, the Bible calls it sin. And one of the brilliant things about America's founders, they... Um, they they put in these these three branches of government to sort of you know balance each other out and keep a check, but it was like William Bradford in the Plymouth Colony, okay. When the Pilgrims came, you know, at first it was it was really almost a modified form of socialism, and Bradford realized William Bradford real a Christian by the way uh, realized that look, a personal property ownership gave people an incentive to work hard, take care of their stuff, uh, earn things, and be able to keep what they worked for. And, uh, you, know, you know, capitalism grew out of that. And so here, here's the good news is, in a capitalistic free market economy, you can do what you want to do and find your skill set, and you can achieve things and earn things. Now, the bad news is it's bad news only if you're uh, a liberal, you know, person who wants to be on the public dole. Bad news is you got to get off your backside and you got to work and you've got to practice a thing called deferred gratification. And so I tell kids when young people, uh, you know, are saying, should I go to college? I said, look, uh, go to college. Uh, because you can struggle for four years or you can struggle your whole life. Getting an education is is not easy. It will cost you time and money and self-discipline. But a college education will save you time. Because here's the thing. Let's say you go into some pursuit just with a high school education. And you work 15 years. And maybe because you're a good employee, you move up a few rungs on the corporate ladder. But if you go with a a bachelor's degree or master's degree, you know, you're going to be there not in 15 years, but, you know, maybe on day one or in 15 months. So a college education will save you time. But uh, in a capitalistic free market economy, uh, there's competition injected into the equation. Uh, the, The better employee will advance. The person who's, you know, disciplined themselves and learned some skills will be the more desirable potential hire.
1: You know, that's true, Alex. I I understand what you're saying here as far as deferred gratification, but you also have a situation now with what's going on that they're actually saying, well, you know, you didn't deserve that. It's shaming. It's public and, and... And with this whole thing with Black Lives Matter, yeah, you didn't, basically saying you didn't build that. You know, someone else did. And I find offense with that. Now, I I think what you say is great about college, although being down here in the South where I am now, coming down from New Jersey, I'm seeing a lot of kids making six figures with a trade, which also, you know, is not a bad thing anymore to get your hands dirty. It was frowned on when I was a kid. But the thing is... The, there's a cultural shift right now, almost overnight, which is just amazing to me that you, you didn't deserve that. Al, you know, Colin Kaepernick better get a job in the NFL this coming season, even though there might be a lot of other people who are a lot better. It's all based yeah. on race now. And, and, you know, again, kids think this is romantic. You've got people saying, well, Joe Biden needs to pick a woman of color. You know, it doesn't matter how good they are. It matters what they look like and what box they can check off. And and therefore, like you say, capitalism is almost like a bad thing.
8: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, look, we're, we're living by slogans rather than convictions. Yep. You know, um, and, you know, uh, I want to say for anybody listening who happens to be a member of a Southern Baptist church, I, I, I was... Um, I have done local, regional, and national work for the Southern Baptists in years past. Uh, It is so sad how left the the Baptists have gone. Uh, The the president of the Southern Baptists right now is a guy named J.D. Greer, who is, uh, you know, I'm sure he loves the Lord. He doesn't strike me as a terribly intelligent individual. And he, two weeks ago, put out a video, and he said he wanted all Southern Baptists to repeat these words, Black Lives Matter. And he said, now don't say all lives matter, but say that black lives matter. Well, we, we know the Black Lives Matter movement is is a, a, an attempt to turn this nation Marxist. Now, do black lives matter? Of course they do. All human lives matter. Uh, all people, male, female, all ethnicities, made in God's image and and. Uh, black lives do matter, but all human lives matter. Unborn lives matter. And part of what's wrong with the country is that we have deviated from what Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, uh, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. Now, self-evident truth, you can phrase it a number of ways. We might call it objective truth or moral absolutes, but What the founders believed and what was really part of the genius of this country's birth was that the founders recognized there there are truths that are undeniable and applicable to all people. And, you know, for instance, males and females exist. You know, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, is being just castigated right now. In the, well, a week ago, because she, not, a, not as a Christian, not as an ideologue. But just as a rational human, you know, there are males and females.
1: I know. It's, and it's males- getting upside down because nobody can be offended. That's the real problem. Alex, let me just reintroduce you here because it's been a while here. He's an author. We're talking to Alex McFarlane. His book, Moral Decay, The Real Cultural Threat No One Talks About. He's a former director of, of apologetics and Christian worldview at North Greenville University in North Carolina. A former pastor and also a seminary president. You've seen him on Fox News and other news outlets, New York Times, Washington Post, and all the major networks. Alex, is your website, alexmcfarland.com, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. And uh, are you on Twitter at all? I am
8: on Twitter. And we we do um, three times a week a live Facebook feed. And the Facebook page is uh, Rev, R-E-V, Rev Alex McFarland. And uh, thank you for giving my website address and thanks for having me on. Well,
0: we're not done yet. Yeah, we got but, time. But uh, you know, <laughs> I I think probably your days at Facebook are numbered. I would assume they're numbered at Twitter. I'm I'm also assuming you've looked in uh, into or are already on Parlor. If not, jump over there, join us all on Parlor. It's uh it's it's okay. growing rapidly. That's P A R L E R, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Now, yes. Alex, before the, uh, when we were on the break before the, uh, the, the segment started a little while ago, uh, you let us know that you had a new book coming out. And I'm going to set you up for that book because I'm going to okay. go back to where we're at right now. When, when, when we sit down and we watch the news at night, it makes it to where it's very difficult to sleep after watching news all night long. And uh, yes. this is not good. We are not headed in a good area. I, I mentioned earlier that I've been saying this for years, that my fellow my fellow American citizens, while I recognize them as citizens and I want them to be protected under the laws of the United States, um, I don't identify and recognize them as fellow Americans. They're just simply yeah. citizens because they have become so bizarro that I can't identify. There's, we have nothing in common anymore. 30 years ago, I could sit down with a, a liberal or a Democrat. I could hold the debate with them. We could talk. Mm-hmm. We could disagree. We could agree to disagree. And it was civil. It's no longer civil anymore. Not at all. Exactly. It's become violent. It's become disgusting. The situation in the United States right now is an absolute disgrace. And globally, I feel we're in embarrassment. Now... You've got a special word that I'm going to that I'm going to key off of here to uh, to let you talk about this upcoming book you've written. I am finding that the United States culturally has become toxic. Mm -hmm. Now, let's get into your book, your new book coming out in September, right?
8: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, The new book is going to be titled Toxic America, Nine Things You Must Know to Prepare for a Looming Civil War. Now, let me give a little tiny bit of backstory. Um, I wrote a book. I worked on it for two years, a major Christian publisher, uh, and it was called Moral Decay, the most serious problem no one is talking about. Now, I've written 17 previous books, 17 times I wrote a book proposal, 17 times publishers gave me a contract, and it's been my privilege to write hundreds of articles and 17 books. I've never had this have listened to this me- one of the most major Christian publishers. I'm not going to give their name because I don't want to slam them too hard, although it wouldn't be hard to figure it out. So I write this book called Moral Decay, turn in the manuscript, and in the book I talk about the fact that we have to recover morals. Now, ethics. Now, I you know, obviously as a as a minister, I want to tell people about Jesus, of course. But I'm just saying for the preservation of the Constitution, uh, to hold back racism, we've got to have morals. The book was to have come out May the first, and February 1st, the publisher calls me and they said, you know, we're not going to release this book on morals. It's just not relevant. (laughs) I'm like, really? And they said, write a book on how to communicate better with your spouse. Write a book on how to be successful. And I said, well, to be honest, the path to success begins with morals. But here's my point. Part of the reason that the church is largely irrelevant right now, uh, for one thing, 345,000 churches. Do you know right now in America, uh, uh, three-quarters of a million people are ordained ministers. There's 700,000 ordained ministers walking around, and yet we're spiritually impotent because most pastors, most Christian publishers are B-grade motivational speakers. And I, I've emailed this publisher that canned my book on morality solving the race problem i mean can you believe it a publisher um said a book that deals with racism is irrelevant because christian publishers right now by the way i asked a major publisher i said could c.s lewis get a book deal today he said absolutely not now lewis still sells a million books Mm -hmm. a year because he's kind of iconic and sort of grandfathered in but c.s lewis you know, famously laid the cards on the table, as most writers and preachers don't do anymore. And C.S. Lewis couldn't get a book deal today.
1: Hey, Alex, and, we only have like a minute left, so uh, finish okay. up what you want to say. I want to ask you one more thing real quick.
8: <laughs> well, I, I, I wanna, I'll give you three thoughts. I want to call on everybody. Number one, I don't care who you are, I beg of you, pray for America. Bow your head and ask the dear Lord. To intervene for this country. Secondly, stay informed, read. And then thirdly, be an influencer. And I, I, listen, I, I, I've met the president several times. I've been on phone calls with Donald Trump. I beg that you help get Trump reelected. Not that I believe he is the messiah or any panacea, but we're talking about the preservation of our
1: constitution,
8: folks. Mm -hmm. And, hey, Trump's not perfect. I could do without two-thirds of all of his tweets, but let's pray to God, let's stay informed, and let's be an influence to save the country.
1: Absolutely. I think it's a huge problem, and obviously we couldn't get into this uh, in this segment, that churches are still closed, but it's okay for abortion clinics to be wide open through this whole... Pandemic, as I call it, Alex McFarland. Thank you so much. Um, we really do appreciate. It. Unfortunately, time is up. Find him on Facebook and also on Twitter at Rev. Alex McFarland. It's M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D and AlexMcFarland.com. Again, he's got a book coming out later on this year. His other book, Moral Decay, The Real Cultural Threat No One Talks About, and plenty of other books. Again, folks, uh, check him out if you would. Definitely well worth it. And thank you for keeping up the good fight here, Alex. We really do appreciate it.
8: God bless you both.
1: Absolutely, and you too. And again, folks, coming up next, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry with the latest on the threat of an electromagnetic pulse. It's all coming up next on Cowboy Logic Radio.
9: Nearly maxed out on your credit cards. It doesn't matter if you're using your credit cards for fun or to survive. At the end of the month, your statements come in. And you can either pay them or you can't. If you can't, late fees and interest rates get tacked on. And now you're struggling just to make the minimum payment due. Do you feel trapped? Am I talking to you? Good, because i personally researched some companies that can help you. They may be able to reduce your credit card balances by 50% and stop the late fees. If you qualify, please call our special Debt Hotline number right now for a complimentary free five-minute consultation. Deal with your credit card problem now before it gets much worse and put more money back in your pocket. Trust me, I've been there too. Call
7: right now. 800-380-4293 800-380-4293 That's 800-380-4293
0: Here's important
7: new information from the
9: Diabetes Solution Center for you, a family member, or a loved one suffering with diabetes. If you have lost your provider or if you need a provider for diabetic supplies, you may qualify to receive your diabetic testing supplies now with little or no out-of-pocket cost, regardless of your age. All you need is Medicare or private insurance to be potentially eligible. Call the Diabetes Solution Center right now for details. Just takes a couple of minutes. Our friendly, knowledgeable agents will give you free, no obligation information. Handle all the insurance paperwork and make sure your supplies
7: are delivered directly to your door for free. Call U.S. Medical Supply 24 hours a day. 800-597-9323 800-597-9323 800-597-9323 Call right now. 800-597-9323 This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and
5: compelling talk. Mojo 5-0. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. One of two police officers shot during a traffic stop early Monday morning in Tulsa, Oklahoma, has died. Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum says that Sergeant who died after Monday's shooting made the ultimate sacrifice for his community.
9: Sergeant Craig Johnson lost his life. Protecting the lives of every Tulson. Sergeant Johnson was a good man who made our lives better.
5: Police Chief Wendell Franklin says Sergeant Johnson was shot multiple times, and he described Johnson's death as a tremendous loss to the police department. Johnson and rookie officer Orash Sarkesian were shot at about 3:30 AM Monday during a traffic stop. The suspected gunman, 32-year-old David Anthony Ware, was arrested following a search that lasted more than seven hours. He faces murder and weapons charges. Mississippi's governor signs a bill into law that retires the last state flag to display the Confederate battle symbol. The Mississippi state flag with the rebel battle standard in the upper left corner is
3: the final state banner bearing the Confederate symbol to be removed in this country. Governor Tate Reeves signing a bill that retires the old 1894 flag in favor of a new one that will be designed by a commission with the only stipulation that it has to include the words, in God we trust.
8: The people of Mississippi, black and white, young and old, can be proud of a banner that puts our faith front and center.
3: Critics in the state where nearly 40 percent of the people are black have said it was wrong to have a flag marked by the Confederacy, particularly since the Ku Klux Klan and other hate groups have used it as a symbol.
5: I'm Tim McGuire. On Wall Street, the Dow by 217 points, the Nasdaq rose 184, the S&P 500 advanced 47. More on these stories at townhall.com.
4: You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Do you use the
9: expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? Mm. What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. and call right now.
7: 800-218-6473 800-218-6473 800-218-6473 That's 800-218-6473 Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I
6: know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to M25M.org M25M.org
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Donna Fiducia. And I'm Don Newen.
0: And this is Cowboy Logic Radio. Cowboys <laughs>
10: didn't dance, didn't wear designer shirts. When their hearts were filled with memories bodies filled with birds, they would sit around the campfire and exchange appearance.
1: And welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. I'm Donna Fiducia along with Don Newen, and our very special guest who always gets two segments because one is never enough. They're kind of like potato chips. You can never have just one. Is Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. Dr. Pry is the world's foremost authority on electromagnetic pulses, the EMP. He's been with the CIA for 10 years. The electromagnetic pulse and its threat... Either solar or man made is exactly what Dr. Pry focuses on, and obviously the threat to our national security. He was chief of staff of the EMP Commission and the EMP Task Force on National and Homeland Security, which is a congressional advisory board, staff of the Senate Armed Service Committee. You've seen him featured on Levin TV. You can read his important articles in Newsmax, The Hill. He was featured recently in Forbes, also in The Washington Times, among many others. And the author of several books, the latest called The Power and the Light, The Congressional EMP Commission's War to Save America from 2001 to 2020, Blackout Wars, which explains how you can protect yourself from an EMP, and also Apocalypse Unknown and Electric Armageddon. And just before we got on the air with Dr. Pry, we were chatting. We're finding out he's writing another book because, again, he's basically got a volume of three Coming up to try to show how the U.S. government is failing to protect us. And again, Dr. Pry, like you said, maybe this way you can be a thorn in the side of the, the federal government who's supposed to protect us. And with your new writings of your upcoming book, hopefully um, that will kind of continue to keep this in the forefront. Dr. Pry, welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio.
6: Well, thanks so much for having me, Donna and Don. I uh, greatly appreciate the forum.
0: So- I'm waiting. I'm waiting on Doctor Pry to write a series of children's books <laughs> that would be like see Dick and Jane not be capable of surviving after an EMP and all of the struggles that they would go through. Doctor Pry, I got to tell you, for the past maybe two weeks, the Threat of a nuclear EMP, in my opinion, has just been ratcheted up to a level that uh, I'm not really wanting to even have to have this conversation with you about. Am I on target there?
6: Well, I I share your concern. Absolutely. Uh, I just recently put out a report on the EMP threat from China that I was uh, glad was well-received and has uh, has been circulated worldwide. Including, uh, including making me, as of, I think Thursday, the object of a disinformation campaign uh, by Russia. Uh, so that's the highest badge of honor you can get. Absolutely, you know, when the Russians try to uh, organize a disinformation campaign to try to discredit your work. Uh, you know, apparently a so-called American, who Andrew Kor- Korbikov. Who who is based in Moscow uh, published an English language article in Pakistan uh, defending the peace loving People's Republic of China and saying uh, you know that the that, that the United that China would never launch a EMP attack against the United States and uh, what nonsense and that I am really uh, uh, putting out disinformation there to conceal U.S. intentions to. Make a first strike of some kind against, you know, Russia or China or whatever. So you have all of these actors, you know, working together. Uh, I actually kept that article uh, not only because it's a badge of honor, but I think it's good evidence about that about how China and Russia work together as allies. You know, because here you've got a classic disinformation campaign. Uh, you know, somebody posturing as an American or maybe he is an American and he's basically a traitor, but. You know, based in Moscow, uh, defending China's defense and foreign policies. Okay, and publishing the thing. And pe- the reason they publish in 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 uh, an English language newspaper in Pakistan is because the Western press, you know, would look askance at uh, and realize that well, you know, Russia, China, they're not really friends of the United States. So something published in those countries might not be regarded as uh, true. Uh, but Pakistan is supposed to be a U.S. ally, and this is further proof that they're not, you know, that they're actually in cahoots with the Chinese and the Russians. So, uh, uh, but to go back to the issue about why do we face an imminent, possibly imminent threat from China, there's just a number of factors. And uh, if I if I could go on, uh, on this for a few minutes, uh, if you'll have the patience, uh, you know, first of all, uh... in this report you know i i you don't have to take my word for it uh... i i have copious quotes from chinese military doctrine the kinds of things that they write to themselves uh... you know that they don't expect uh... western researchers or certainly western reporters to have access to or to read and i have uh... copious quotes on their plans going back more than a quarter century for more than a quarter century they've been planning to make an EMP attack against the American homeland. And they describe it as a a, a Pearl Harbor, an electronic Pearl Harbor, where they they could take the whole country out by means of an EMP. I also have uh, other uh, quotes from their military doctrine, where they describe the kinds of EMP weapons they have, nuclear and non-nuclear EMP weapons. EMP weapons can also be non-nuclear, they don't have to be a nuclear weapon. I have quotes on how they regard in their military doctrine the EMP is key to victory against aircraft carrier fleets. And uh, uh, so we know from their own mouth that EMP attack is considered a decisive weapon. They've got plans for it. They've got capabilities. That's point one. You know, point two is that the gravy train is over. You know, with this president, there has been a see change in U.S. policy toward China. So they've arrived at a point, a crossroads, where they're not going to be able to continue to rip off the United States and engage in economic warfare against the United States unchallenged. The gravy train is over. And their economy has been suffering, you know, because of President Trump's sanctions and his wise policy to try to end this uh, uh, challenge, this economic war that China has been waging against the United States. For decades, so there's a there. So they're at this cru- crucial crossroads. That's there. exactly
1: what what scares me. Is it it gets China's back up enough that I don't want to get into a, a contest with them uh, because they are so well equipped and we are not equipped to handle it. What you wrote in the Hill about China's no first use nuclear fiction, they say, oh, we won't be the first to use it. Well. The only three countries, and I've learned this from you in the past, that are totally EMP proof are Iran, Russia and China, I believe. I I call them still the axis of evil. I don't know about China being crazy enough to lob one in, but I certainly think once Iran gets strong enough, they won't hesitate at all because they're just, you know, more uh, really terrorists in that country. And that's what really scares me.
6: Yeah, let me continue to explain, however, you know, why we may face an imminent EMP threat from China. We talked about the first two points, you know, the fact that they have the plans and the capabilities, the fact that we have arrived at a, a big crossroads with them in terms of a crisis, and that we've gone from being their victims to challenging them over this economic war. But there's two more factors that make them potentially an immediate EMP threat. In March uh, just so your listeners will understand, you know China has illegally annexed the South China Sea, and it has been uh, militarizing the South China Sea, putting air bases out there, uh building whole new islands uh that it converts into military bases that are basically unsinkable aircraft carriers you know and this and the object of doing this is similar what the Japanese strategy was in World War two to build a cordon of islands to serve as a defense that would keep U.S. forces, U.S. Navy forces, particularly U.S. aircraft carriers, far enough away so that if they commit acts of aggression in Asia or elsewhere around the world, we would have a very hard time of it retaliating against China with our conventional naval forces because of this uh, barrier of defense, this zone of defense they're building, and also the South China Sea, happens to be the most important one of the most important pieces of real estate in the world is certainly the most important trade route in the world more important than the Suez Canal more important than the Panama Canal more important than the Straits of Hormuz you know because most of the world's trade to not only the Pacific but to north and south America including the United States has to pass to the South China Sea and it has vast mineral and oil resources so this is an enormously important thing and Hague the international court Years ago, several years ago, declared that China's occupation of the South China Sea was illegal. Now, the United States has been challenging that by occasionally sending a U.S. Navy ship into the South China Sea to show the flag and to and to give a sense of just how aggressive the Chinese are, how aggressive they are. They can't even live with that, you know. We basically have been living with their illegal annexation of the South China Sea. We haven't taken military action against them. We haven't tried to get the United Nations to to take military action and kick them out, you know. Uh, no, we've been showing the flag by sending a ship in there. Even that's too much for them to tolerate. You know, I mean, if, if Adolf Hitler were in Beijing, I think he'd be perfectly happy, you know, with the idea that, okay, I've got South China Sea, I control it. I've got de facto control of the South China Sea. Okay, if the US wants to send a cruiser in there every now and then to challenge it, fine. It doesn't change the facts on the ground that my forces are all over the South China Sea and I own it. But no, that's not enough for them. You know, in March of this year, a panel of of Chinese military experts got together and said, "How can we get the United States to stop sending ships to show the flag in the South China Sea?" You know, they find even that gesture intolerable. And they said, well, one of the best options that we could do is make an EMP attack on a U.S. Navy ship when it goes into the South China Sea. And uh, that would disable the ship, but it wouldn't kill anybody. So that tells us something about their mindset that they see an EMP attack. It's not like crossing a red line into into World War Three or into nuclear war or something, but it's more in that gray zone. You know, like cyber attacks or electronic warfare. And in their doctrine, in my report, I actually prove that by quotations from Chinese military doctrine where they do see, you know, new, even nuclear EMP attack, nuclear EMP attack, as being in the category of cyber warfare or electronic warfare. Now, the last thing of these four points I was making, now, this was in March where they threatened to do that. Now we've got three aircraft carriers in the Pacific the challenge to show the flag in the South China Sea. Maybe they've already gone in there so that we haven't had the, you know, and so we've gotten past it. But I don't know. They're still there. And um, what's going to happen? You know? Oh, the, the fifth factor here is, you know, Americans are so preoccupied with our domestic politics and particularly so now because of the chaos on our streets and the fact that our our statues are being toppled, and we have our own, some of our own children, you know, in Antifa and Black Lives Matters, you know, reject America, reject our values, reject our government. They're basically totalitarian movements, you know, that want to overthrow our system. And America right now looks a lot like 1968. You know, 1968 was when you had the anti-war movement, the counterculture movement, just explode onto television screens all over the world. And it was the beginning of America's defeat in the Vietnam War. I mean, psychologically, America was basically defeated in the Vietnam War in 1968. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these bad guys, but particularly China, with, uh, at this juncture, because of the presence of the, those aircraft carriers, that just might be encouraged by our domestic unrest, by the still unpreparedness of most of our military forces by the fact that we are not hardened against EMP you know this could be this is a very dangerous situation i mean i that's why i agree with don that this is a uh, an extraordinary risky time now i'm not saying that they will probably make an emp attack uh, but the likely the possibility of it though you know,
1: Yeah, it shouldn't uh, be ignored. Is, it definitely should not be ignored. It
6: must ignored, but it's uh, you know, not just... The, that's one of the reasons I published the report, so it wouldn't be ignored. Because mm-hmm. the White House and uh, you know, our government tends to be able to, to do only one thing at a time. And right now the focus is on the streets and the burning and the rioting that's going on in America. But I kind of wanted to use the report to send up a flare. And I'm talking today on your radio show as, a, as sending up a flare that hopefully will get noticed by the powers that be in, in the white house and the us government so that uh, uh we don't forget that mm-hmm. we've got that america has never been more threatened in its history than it is now by foreign adversaries and one of them might decide to exploit this situation particularly china you know because of the the crisis that we are uh, are in with them but it could also be russia could be north korea could be iran maybe all of them simultaneously. They work together. They talk together. They are a new... They are the new Warsaw Pact. They are a new block, power block, that is Mm -hmm. far more powerful than the USSR and the Warsaw Pact was at its time. And we have never been more vulnerable than we are now, you know, because we have, in the aftermath of the Cold War, and particularly the Obama administration, allowed our nuclear and conventional capabilities to deteriorate. I know President Trump goes on the... On, on the air all the time and says that our military forces have never been stronger, he has to say that. He's the commander in chief, and he has to say that to warn off our enemies. You know, and although we've increased the defense budget for a few years in a row, it hasn't been enough. We have not arrived at a place where we've repaired the damage of the the Obama administration inflicted on our conventional and especially on our nuclear forces. You know, uh, so those are my thoughts on the threat from China and why uh, Don is right. I, I think this is a particularly perilous time. And um, I hope, I mean, it gives another reason for governments, federal, state, and local to crack down on, on these, uh, I'm not going to call them protesters, they're not. Uh, you know, these people are anarchists and terrorists these acts of anarchy and terrorism, Uh, you know, peaceful protests, of course. People have a First Amendment right to that. But that's not what these things are. No, they're they're not peaceful at all. Anarchy that Mm -hmm. threaten uh, the existence of the United States, potentially, if we get hit with an EMP. People aren't thinking of uh, the foreign national security aspects of this about the fact that Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, they all follow very closely what's going on in America, you know, and are always looking for an opportunity. And uh the Black Lives Matters and Antifa Antifa people, uh, you know, they should be aware that they're gonna die too. If something like this happens, they're gonna die too. But hopefully, uh, you know, our government has an obligation Not just to protect our monuments, of course. I I feel very strongly about that, and we can talk about that too. uh, uh, You know, uh, and to restore public protect public property and to restore order. But there's a crucial national security reason for doing that doing that at this perilous time. You know, because there these people are perhaps unwittingly uh, inviting aggression by all of these bad actors.
0: Well, Dr. Pry, the the sad thing about this, and and we've been speaking with you about this for, I can't even tell you how many years at this point, but the sad thing is that during the stimulus package, the, the recovery package, that was trillions of dollars. This would have been pocket change to solve this problem. We've been talking about it for years, the amount of money needed to, to, to harden our grid and protect the citizens of the United States from what you and Donna and I and many of our beloved listeners agree is the greatest threat to the civilization of the United States. Not, not to mention the world, if it was some type of a uh, solar disaster. Now, In the past, we have always spoken about solar EMP events and nuclear EMP events. And you've brought up one today that uh, was very troubling to hear. And that is a non-nuclear weapon that could create this EMP event uh, that could be catastrophic to our society. We've got about three minutes before we're going to have to go to break. So if you can touch on that just briefly, Uh, what are you talking about there?
6: Yeah, there's been a technological revolution in the development of non-nuclear EMP generators so that they're much more powerful and much more miniaturized and lower weight than they have been in the past. Uh, so much so that you can now put one of these on a drone or on a cruise missile and program it to follow power lines, for example. And um, and you could black out the, the grid without it a nuclear EMP attack, you could use these non-nuclear EMP weapons to do it. It wouldn't be as fast. It would take hours to do it against the country like the United States, not days. But you can actually Google. The U.S. Air Force has got one of these now. It's called CHAMP. And if you Google Boeing CHAMP, uh, you know, you can see on the Internet they've got a, uh, an exercise where they demonstrated the capability of this non-nuclear cruise missile you know, to follow uh, power lines and to overfly uh, tar- electronic targets and knock them out. And it can even do it selectively. Uh, now, uh, even the Iranians uh, could deploy something like that. They demonstrated the ability to, uh, uh, to use cruise missiles and drones to attack the Saudi Ar- Arab fields, Saudi Arabia's oil fields, you know, very precisely. And, uh, uh, you know, they could put one of these generators... Uh, uh, international terrorists could do it, and you probably wouldn't need many of them. You know, you might even be able to just use one drone that follow the power lines if it had a long enough range. And I think that's what Russia's Ber- Beresvestnik, the Skyfall cruise missile, this nuclear-powered cruise missile, is probably about, because with a nuclear-powered engine, you know, it could stay aloft, you know, for forever, and also with a nuclear reactor to provide juice to the non-nuclear EMP warhead that keeps putting out that signal you know you could have a very powerful EMP field coming out of that thing and uh... there are still you know the regular non-nuclear EMP devices that are available like for example that anybody can buy they're not considered weapons and they're not intended to be there's a thing called the EMP suitcase for example that's sold by a US company that looks just like a suitcase it can be carried and operated by one person but it puts out 100,000 volts per meter, you know, over a distance of, uh, of short distance. Uh, you know, but if you put that thing in a car, trunk of a car, and used it against extra high voltage transformer outside of a big city, you know, one person, uh, a criminal, a madman, a terrorist, you know, could, could knock the technological pillars of civilization out from under a whole metropolitan area and black out a whole. Metropolitan area for a protracted period of time. Wow,
1: Dr. Pry, of- we we've run out of time for this segment. I'm going to have to leave it at that. But I want to come back talk about more about the EMP Commission. We're talking about Dr. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, um, not about the EMP Commission, but EMPs in general. Again, Dr. Pry's goal is protections against an EMP mass destruction from terrorist attacks and other civilian critical infrastructure threats. He's um, pretty much advised. Uh, The U.S. government, unfortunately, the failure to protect us is still there, and we'll get to that as well. When we come back on the other side with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry on Cowboy Logic Radio.
4: You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. If you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Well, if you said the world has gone crazy, I think 99.9% of the Earth's population would, in fact, agree with you. Here's the thing. You can never be too prepared for the craziness that's happening all around you. Keep your head while others are losing theirs. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find an emergency food supply with a big discount because you are a Mojo Five O listener. It's not about uh, panic. It's about being ready for anything. Prepare with Preparewithmojo50.com. No one likes to think about disasters or what could happen to you or your family if you find yourself in the middle of one. Look around you. Don't you wish that uh, maybe a few months ago you had gone to preparewithmojo50.com and picked up an emergency food supply? The reason is not that you're panicked. The reason is that you want to be ready for anything. Look what happened at the grocery stores in the last few weeks. There are others out there who tend to lose their minds when things aren't normal. You, however, are smart. You know how to do things the right way. You know how to be prepared. You know how to take care of your family, and it shows. I mean, you listen to Mojo 5 So go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find a special deal for you as a Mojo listener on a food supply, an emergency food supply that will ensure that you have enough food for you and your family for months, however long you decide you need the supply for. It really is a great deal, and it's about being ready for anything. Prepare with Mojo. 50com If you are trying to quit
9: drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me, and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1581. 877-247-1581. 247 1581
1: on Cowboy Logic Radio with Dr. Peter Vincent Pry again, author of many books on the electromagnetic pulse and how you can protect yourself against it. His latest book, The Power and the Light, the Congressional EMP Commission's War to Save America. And he did say that uh, coming out in the next couple of months, he's going to have a series of three volumes, uh, essentially showing the failure of the U.S. government to protect us He's kind of breaking it down like a children's book almost for the U.S. government to try to realize, hey, you guys, this is serious. Because, again, with what's going on with how uh, Donald Trump has kind of changed things vis-a-vis China – China's not real happy with this, and and they've got the ability to basically take us out with an EMP. Dr. Prye, uh, Don had a question. Well,
0: I wanted to follow up on something, Dr. Pry, that we, we touched on before we went to break. And that is, we, all of us just saw this massive stimulus package that totaled into the well into the trillions. To protect our grid and ensure the safety of the American citizens... From damage and death and destruction and 90% of our population getting wiped out over the course of 365 days if this were to take place. Whether it's a nuclear EMP attack or whether it's a solar attack, it is inevitable. We're just waiting for that one to hit. It wouldn't have cost, it would have been chump change for what the, the federal government just spent, correct?
6: Yes, yeah, so it would have been chump change not just in the infrastructure plan, but it would have been chump change compared to what we spent on the coronavirus.
10: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, we're talking 2 to $4 billion, which is what we used to give away every year in foreign aid to Pakistan, every year. You know, if we had a one-time expenditure of 2 to $4 billion on the electric grid, that's the EMP Commission's estimate for protecting the electric grid. You know, we could probably protect all of the life-sustaining critical infrastructures like telecommunications, and transportation, and business and finance and food and water, you know, for twenty to thirty billion, and that wouldn't even have to be taxpayer money. You know, it wouldn't even have to be taxpayer money and come out of any kind of a stimulus package. You know, we could. The, this I, we could follow the model that we used for protecting our country. You know, we're already protected against a form of natural EMP called lightning. You know, in the EMP world, lightning is called E2 EMP. And we never talk about it, you know, because the country's already protected against lightning. Instead, we talk about E1 EMP, which is the kind of EMP generated by a nuclear weapon, or E3 EMP, which is the kind of EMP generated naturally by solar superstorms. But we never talk about ENT, E2 EMP. And why is that? And Well, that's because decades ago, you know, when we knew we were an electronic civilization, and we knew our electronics had to be able to survive lightning because it happens all the time, and so there are standards, they're just design standards and engineering practices that are routinely followed, you know, by everybody, you know, to make sure that stuff will survive lightning. And it uses even technologies that are, that would be effective against EMP if they were faster and more robust. So what we, need, you know, so a way of doing it without even spending federal dollars, you know, is, you know, to change the design standards for critical electronics. To say, you know, now instead of just being protected against lightning, you have to increase and improve these standards so that it can withstand nuclear and natural EMP phenomena. Call it super lightning. And so we did it before, and it wasn't even painful. And people basically didn't even know we were doing it. Even the personal computer on your desk is actually hardened against this natural form of EMP called lightning. You know, if you look at the plug that goes into the wall, you'll see it's a fat plug. That's because there's a little resistor in that plug so that it interrupts, you know, the connection if there's a, power, a lightning strike in the power lines so the lightning doesn't come right in and fry your computer. You know, we've done it before, so we can do it, do it again. Yes, and the obstacle has never been money, and it's never been technology. You know, the obstacle has always been the politics of EMP. And the increasing corruption of the U.S. government and incompetence of the U.S. government, you know, um, which was so manifest in the recent coronavirus crisis. Uh, you know, what I am afraid of happening... Now, I, I, if I could just let me back off and for a moment, though, and, and before I go on, just give high praise to President Trump for putting out his executive order. You know, the 2019 executive order a year ago, more than a year ago now, that called for protection of the country. And I've got a little story related to that. I don't know if I've told it to you guys before, You know, but before, when President Trump was running for president, I think it was during the Iowa caucuses, I had the opportunity to brief him. I briefed him for 45 minutes on the EMP threat, and he understood it. He'd never heard of it before, but he understood it, and he said, you know, don't worry, Dr. Pry. When I'm uh, I'm elected president, we're going to knock their heads together and get this problem solved, because I told him he wanted to know why is it that the country was still unprotected from this existential threat. And I told him that you know it's because the Department of Energy and the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Defense, you know, none of them wanted responsibility for the problem. It was such a big problem and complicated to solve—not from a technological standpoint, but in the, in from the sense of getting all the utilities and all the, you know, uh, you know, all the other critical infrastructures organized. You know, nobody wanted to deal with the problem, and they wanted, as bureaucrats always do, just wanted to continue business as usual.
10: Mm-hmm.
6: Bureaucracies never like to take on a new big job. That's not what they, they, they prefer to do, what they're familiar with, uh, until they can retire and collect their pensions. And um, uh, uh, But President Trump said he was going to knock their heads together. You know, we had the EMP commission, and uh, the president, enormously to his credit, Basically, is trying through his executive order to implement the EMP commission's recommendations on a fast basis, and he's not trusting the bureaucracy either. That's why he required a report. They have to report every year to the White House on their progress. The the one year from the date of the signing, which was March 26, 2019, they were supposed to have delivered a progress report. And guess what? They didn't even do that. The progress report was not delivered to the White House, or if it was, it's been classified at such a high level. That, uh, that not even U.S. government officials with high-level security clearances are aware of its existence. I think it just wasn't done, because these guys are, are still, for one thing, as I explained in my book... All of the major people who are supposed to be implementing President Trump's EMP executive orders are Obama holdovers. I was going to say,
1: the deep state is so deep, I think Donald Trump was even surprised by this. And now yes. it gets to the point where he can't get anything done. That's all they've done is throw roadblocks in his way. Now that he's running for re-election... You know, the ultimate roadblock is closing the economy because we all know it's the economy stupid as far as getting your uh, yourself reelected, as Bill Clinton said. And that's his Achilles heel. They've managed to crimp that down for no reason, in my opinion. I, I you know, now you keep reading more and more how the coronavirus was here late last year and, and some 20 million people might have already had it. And and then you've got the blue states, so obviously not wanting to open anything up and keep everything down. I mean, there's just so many tentacles, unfortunately, Donald Trump has. And, and as you said in the first segment, China's just sitting there kind of ready to pounce, in, in your opinion, and my opinion as well, if need be, because the last thing they want to do is be um, basically uh, lambasted and... and uh, economically handcuffed by Donald Trump any longer. And if he gets reelected, they're not going to be happy campers. So now you've got these deep staters that just don't want to do anything when the bottom line, Dr. Pry is, their number one thing is to protect we, the people. And that's all they do not do. They protect their backsides.
2: Yeah, an
6: example of this is, I alluded to the coronavirus, okay? Um, You know, we've spent decades and billions of dollars, you know, literally decades and billions of dollars supposedly getting ready for a biological warfare, for serious biological warfare threats like, like genetically engineered smallpox or anthrax that have mortality rates of over 90 and percent. And yet when a coronavirus came along, which is not a serious threat, okay, mortality is less than 1 percent, far less than 1 percent, and yet the U.S. government was unprepared They didn't have basics like ventilators and masks and pharmaceuticals—the kind of stuff you should have—that an intelligent high school student would know that you should have. And at president, and they were so unprepared that the president of the United States had to intervene directly and personally manage the coronavirus crisis. You know, even though we've got all these departments and agencies with huge budgets that we're supposed to be ready for that. And by the way, that's another factor that sends a signal to the China and Russia and all of our enemies—that's really bad. You know. Biological warfare is a big important threat. And if we're not prepared for that, what else aren't we prepared for? They know we're not prepared for EMP. So that's another thing that could, could encourage aggression, just the sign that they're even more the government is even less competent and we're more vulnerable than even I thought uh, th- thought we were. But um, the, uh, uh, I'm afraid how, how did that happen? How did it happen that we spent all that time and money and we weren't prepared? Well, I'll tell you what, what, how it happened. One of the important factors that contributed to this unpreparedness anyway was the proclivity of government bureaucracies to endlessly reinvent the wheel, reinvent the wheel, and do endless studies and conferences, and decide that when, because the government, there's a big pot of money out there and the government is given a high priority, well, they must be entitled to get a senior executive service promotion of some sort. And so... The money gets spent in salaries and more officials, in giving out contracts to your buddies in the Beltway to do another report, and you get a nice kickback at some place along the line, and you have internal studies and reports. You know, like 90% of the money gets eaten up in in prod in in non-productive activity. Okay, that only in Washington is doing a study or having a meeting or holding a conference considered action on a problem like biological warfare or EMP. And then, but at the end of the day, where the rubber hits the road, you know, where are the ventilators? Where are the masks? Where are the pharmaceuticals? They were not to be found.
1: No. And you Trump know, is the only one who did it. He got the ships. Yeah, ship, the built... had
6: himself. Exactly. And he'd come in and replace all this. I'm afraid the same thing is happening now. In fact, I know it is. Okay, that's what's happening with EMP. That's why it's been a year, and they haven't done real basic stuff. You know, how hard would it be, for example, at this point to have uh, to have had the U.S. government? agencies like the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission pass a standard or at least a requirement, a generic requirement that says the electric grid must be protected against nuclear EMP, okay? At least it establishes the principle that the utilities have to be starting to think about that. They haven't even done that.
1: You know, Dr. Pry, hard- can you explain how that's done? I mean, you mentioned computers earlier and how we're, we are uh, kind of protecting ourselves against lightning strikes. And many of us have surge protectors for our computers. Essentially, what you do just in the basic EMP, which would be maybe six months and a couple billion dollars to do, would be essentially to put surge protectors around uh, a lot of these electric companies to, to stop that EMP from spreading out. Is that kind of a layman's way of saying it?
6: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, to give an example... Uh, there's 2,000 extra high-voltage transformers, EHV transformers. These things are as big a ho- as a house. They weigh hundreds of tons. Uh, they, uh, they're, almost, they're very hard to replace. Uh, they take 18 months to build one. They can't be mass-produced. They have to be made by hand. So they're really important to protect these things uh, because they're really the foundation of our electronic civilization. Our electric grid And none of the other critical infrastructures would work, because they all run directly or indirectly on electricity. None of them would work if we lost our EHV transformers. That's one of the crucial technologies, but I'll just talk about that one for a moment. So, you know, there's like, uh, if you look at the 2000, uh, there's 500 of these that are really the most important because they service our major metropolitan areas, all right, and provide electricity to the cities at least you could move out and put surge arresters and Faraday Cages on these things. You know. To, uh, I, should, I think that would have been accomplishable in a year. And, and if competent people were in charge, they should have been like a coiled spring. After all, the EMP Commission has been working on this for 20 years. Congress has passed many laws. There was a Critical Infrastructure Protection Act that was passed that requires the Department of Homeland Security to have a plan to protect the country. These guys, instead of doing endless studies... They should they should have been ready, with contractors, with the technology, and instead of doing more paper reports, you know, they should have been able, as of as of this moment, you know, we should have had those five hundred transformers at least protected. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see any reason technologically why that couldn't have been done. But let me take a moment, though. Uh, I talked about these. You know, when an executive order is written, I should so people. Uh, can learn learn a little bit about this what is an executive order? You know when an executive order is written, the president doesn 't get unfortunately you know to 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 just draft the order and uh and have it say only what he wants it to say. the order the routine is is that it has to be coordinated with the government, with the US, all the relevant departments and agencies of the government. The president could override them and say whatever he wants. And in the case of EMP, I wish he had in, every, in, in all the instances. But they're all supposed to coordinate. And in, the, in, the, in order to get the departments and agencies to sign off on the president's executive order, he had to agree uh, for, for, to include in the executive order the answering of nine questions. Nine questions. All right? Let me read question number one to you to give you an idea of, of the nature of these questions. And this is what they're spending a lot of their time on right now, by the way. Instead of actually protecting the grid, they're, they're having new studies to answer these questions. <laughs> Here's question number one. In, intelligence-based assessments on adversaries' capabilities to go, conduct an attack utilizing an EMP and the likelihood of such an attack. I think I think regular listeners to your show would be able to answer that question in 15 minutes. You know, it's
1: just it's mind boggling. You you see, Nancy Pelosi's been there 30 years, Biden 40 years. Trump gets in there, starts, you know, stirring up the water and, and they attack him. Because, like you say, their number one capability is making money for themselves and making sure nothing gets done. It's, it's right. un- I mean, a, a, a grammar school kid with half a brain probably could have answered that question. A
0: dog-faced pony soldier <laughs> could have answered that.
6: <laughs> You're right. Uh, we've answered that question just in the course of talking. That We know about at least one of uh, the free China. And, uh, well, actually, I think we've all actually talked about Russia, China, North Korea, and, and what international terrorists could do. Certainly, uh, if you put collectively together the, all the shows we've had on this, that question could be answered just from the transcripts of uh, of, of your show, mm-hmm. you know? And so what I'm doing is I've, I've taken the nine questions and I've just completed my next my next book, volume one. I've broken the nine questions down into three questions a piece, and so I'm going to do a series of books, you know, on these that answer the questions for the U.S. government, answer them again. You know, these questions have been answer, asked and answered for for years. I mean, the EMP commission answered all these questions. It provided a blueprint for protecting the grid and everything. So. So I'm going to put out uh, – and, and there is a, some usefulness to this because the threat is, is evolving. You know, parts of the question are uh, – like, the, you know, there are new threats coming down the pike all the time that we've talked talk to. So there's some use to revisiting some of these questions. But I don't think the, the value added to our national security is so great. That the presence, for example, the growing power of non-nuclear EMP weapons should be holding up the train for prote- actually protecting the country. In fact, since the EMP threat is getting bigger and more dangerous, you know, in uh, uh, it, it's it should provide a greater incentive to moving out fast and moving out now to protect the grid. Instead of waiting until you can check every box on every question and have it answered, you'll never be able to. You know, uh, uh, there's always going to be another development. You know, down the road, that provides an excuse for basically writing another report.
1: You know, Doctor Pry, what you just exactly, but what you've just said, where you have you've broken this down for the government, you're going to do it in three volumes with three questions each to get through these. Do me a favor, make it very easy. Put it in really large print so it looks like you know an elementary book for maybe with pictures. You know, get get a, a Sesame Street illustrator maybe to draw pictures so maybe it'll be more uh pleasing for these idiots in congress to actually read well I mean, put that's what's scratch so and
0: sniff in there for aoc I oh, yeah, exactly. gonna need that
1: i mean but but seriously the, the real problem what you just mentioned is as someone with myself who's been in media sees over and over again as well and i think it was very apparent with the impeachment proceedings you say they keep asking the same thing over and over and over again. It's exactly what they've done attacking Donald Trump. He's, they, he answers something, they keep going back with the same thing over and over and over again until they finally exhaust it, or he loses his his temper or something. And and it's this they it just shows how it's like a circular firing squad almost. They get nothing done, absolutely nothing done.
6: Well, the reason they and and. You know, ask the questions over and over and over again. In those, in that context, is the same reason with the way they grilled, you know, General Flynn. Is they're hoping that you'll misspeak at Mm -hmm. some point, so they can then turn around and and trap you into perjury. You know, and claim that uh, claim that you lied. But Congress, uh, I don't blame Congress for the lack of progress. Congress and the White House are united on this. Uh, Even the Democrats signed off on the National Defense Authorization Act last year's FY 2020 National Defense Authorization Act in December that was passed. And it was unprecedented for the first time in history. uh, The president's executive order was incorporated into one of the most important bills, perhaps the most important bill that gets passed by Congress, which is the National Defense Authorization Act. This is the budget for the Department of Defense. And it's an annex in there that basically says, I mean, in effect, what it says is, We, the Congress, agree with the president about this existential threat. We, the Congress, agree with the president that the U.S. government should be giving high priority to this. And not only do you guys report to the White House, but you also report to us and tell us what progress you're making. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, when I, in the Constitutional Republic I grew up in, you know, when the United States was still a Constitutional Republic, uh, all it should have taken was the executive order to get us protected. Uh, and now we have an executive order, and we have this bill from Congress, which passed, which makes the executive order, it gives it the force of law. It gives it the force of law. And it will make it harder, by the way, for any future administration to change it, because it's not an executive order. It's, it's an executive order plus the force of law. And uh, And yet, even that's not sufficient to move the government bureaucracy. You know, the blame... belongs in two places. I mean, the White House and and the Congress have done almost everything they can, with one exception. You know, President Trump really does need to drain the swamp. And Mm -hmm. if he gets a second term, I hope he does. If he gets a second term, I hope he will have learned his lesson because a lot of these guys submitted their resignations at the beginning of his first term, thousands of them. That's routine. He should have accepted all of those resignations and replaced them with his own people. And it didn't happen, and that's why it's so hard for him to get anything done. He's trying to run the country with what is basically the Obama administration in 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 many areas. Aside from aside from the very top appointees, you know, uh, you you have thousands of these holdovers from past administrations in the Obama administration who are sabotaging his efforts to turn things around in this country, including on EMP. And in my book, I even name their names. You know, there's you know, about I think it's fewer than 10 people who are in key positions that are responsible, chiefly responsible for the fact that we've really made no progress one year into the executive order on EMP. Those people should be fired. Even if a couple of them were fired, I think it might send a, a sobering message to uh, you know to uh, to the others that are holding things up. You know, if people can't be fired. Then send them to do work in the cafeteria or something. But, but get can you get that?
1: Way. Can you get that information to Donald Trump now? At this point, possibly as soon as possible. I mean, say to him, look, these people are still here, and this is what their their agenda is, which is not to help you.
6: Well, I, you know, I've tried. Uh, you know, and and I have sent him a copy of my book. Uh, so I I know he's gotten that with with a. Uh, with one of those little yellow stickers on the appropriate page, so he will know with the arrow. And, uh, yeah, and I, have, I have let known. I have, I have even let people within the Department of Homeland Security know who they are. Okay, and received reassuring responses back. But even though these people are Trump appointees, uh, I don't want to name their names here and embarrass them because because they won't work with me then, and I need mm-hmm. to, to work with me. But I don't understand why a Trump appointee, a person who. Does at least appear to support the president. Why they don't take action?
1: Yeah, I know. You know? Uh, Doctor Pry, unfortunately, we're out of time. My gut feeling is that Trump runs the company, the country like he ran his company, and that is he expects the best. To already be there, they were already in place, and that really was not the case. It's just a lot of government bureaucrats as opposed to a well-oiled machine, and I I think that really is the big problem. Unfortunately, Dr. Pry, we are out of time. Everybody, we're going to put in the show notes notes all of his books and, and what he's working on because it's something I really think we need to take notice of. Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, again, 10 years with the CIA, the world's foremost authority on EMPs, the electromagnetic pulse, and its threat, either solar or man-made, to our national security. And Dr. Pry, we always like to end—drop um, my notes here. Always like to end with a saying, and this one from Socrates. And I think, as far as the Democrat Party is concerned, this is very apropos. When the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the losers. Dr. Pry, God bless you for your great work. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And in the meantime, God bless America. You've been listening to Cowboy Logic Radio, unfiltered, politically incorrect, common sense. Find us on the web at CowboyLogic.us and join our Facebook group, Cowboy Logic Restoring America Forum. That's Cowboy Logic Radio, unfiltered, politically incorrect, common sense.
3: Just hurry up and open that door and get over here and help me. This cooler's getting heavy. Well, um yeah, I, I can give you a hand, uh but I
4: I locked the keys in the bunker.
3: Dang it, Chris, we have to do off-track in an hour. How are we going to get in there now? Relax, I got a new lock we can install later, but right now we need a battering ram. Hey, I know, let's use the cat cooler as a battering ram. It certainly is rugged, but I don't think it's made
4: for taking down steel reinforced doors.
3: Man, relax, the thing can take 2,500 pounds of concrete with only minor scratches. We can definitely open the door with it. Rusty, grab the other side. All right.
4: Well, we need a new door, but the cooler's good. Let's get to the studio.
9: Get your cat cooler today at catcoolers.com. That's catcoolers.com.
4: Cat Coolers does not approve of their product for use as a battering ram and cannot recommend you use it in any breaking and entering scenario. But it worked and it was fun. No coolers were harmed in the production of this ad, but the door is a total loss. Also, don't use it for smuggling a cat into New Mexico, as it's against the law. It may not be the zombie apocalypse, but present times prove it's actually not crazy to be prepared. And Mojo 5o in partnership with My Patriot Supply, will help our listeners prepare with mojo 5 It's smart to have a reliable emergency food source.
1: Natural disasters have a devastating impact when all other conditions are perfect. When supply lines are stressed already, further disruption could leave your local markets
9: bare for days or even weeks. You need a plan today. Only for Mojo listeners, and for a limited time, you receive $70 off a two-week supply of 92 servings or $100 off a four-week supply of 284 servings. You'll get meals packing 2,000-plus calories a day with a 25-year shelf
3: life. More than just food, my Patriot Supply has personal water filtration, backup power, and lighting sources, as well as medical kits and other survival gear. All this and more is available to you, the Mojo listener, by using preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com.